What's up and welcome back to Nostalgia Pod, your weekly look at what's going on in pop culture. My name is Patrick Sheehan. I am here with my co-host, the David Martinson. Dave, how are you doing, man? Doing all right, sir. It's another wonderful cold day on the Northeast. How about you? Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, winter outside now. But you know what? We had some nice news come out after we recorded last week. Right course. after. Classic culture drop timing. But I had a nice Taylor Swift album, or maybe a not so nice Taylor Swift album to keep me warm as well. And finished up Stranger Things. So we got a lot to talk about. Before we get going, please subscribe, rate, review. Give us an iTunes review, even if it's not necessarily a positive one. We want any feedback we can to make this better for you. So help us out. SoundCloud.com slash NostalgiaPod. Stay plugging. Well, we start off with Star Wars, though. So we've been talking about Star Wars quite a bit throughout the year. It's uh, one of the more reliable IPs for getting news out, getting people excited. And, of course, Episode 8 is, what, a month away from Friday? Yeah, a month away from Wednesday. It's the 15th. From Wednesday. 12-15. So it's getting up there, and there's a lot of excitement, even more excitement and more speculation about how good this particular chapter of the skywalker trilogy or or now like the nine trilogy saga (laughs) however you say saga is going to be because ryan johnson was announced as going to be getting his own star wars trilogy and not only getting his own star wars trilogy but it's going to be a story separate from the skywalkers which is quite interesting so dave initial thoughts around this and maybe give me some ideas of what we could be looking at in terms of these movies yeah, it's really exciting just on like a surface level because when you hear no Skywalkers, you start drifting to like, you know, talking thousands of years in the past or talking way in the future. Like, what, what, what are we talking about here? And that was kind of the initial appeal of the anthology films when they were announced is that they would be, you know, separate standalone stories. Of course, now that we know they were more embellishing, enriching movies to the saga, obviously with Rogue One right. and Han Solo thus far. So thought of a trilogy that's totally separate is really exciting because, you know, the galaxy far, far away, it's kind of felt a little small because you keep following around this same family and all the crazy stuff that goes right. on. And of course, we know the Star Wars galaxy is so much bigger. There's so much there, so much EU legend source material to pull from that there's no doubt about stories you could tell. I wouldn't be worried about anything. But yeah, it's very exciting. So I mean, what was your take? Because some people are like, is this too much Star Wars? Are we hitting Star Wars saturation? My response to that is, let's let them make a bad one first, you know? Yeah, I agree with that. And, and I mean, from talks, Han Solo might be that movie. But, you know, I think I look at it very much as like Marvel. I, th- I feel like they're, they're kind of taking a chapter from them. And they're trying to keep something that's like a through line, which has been episodes one through eight as of next month. And this is going to be something a little bit different. It's going to be kind of like uh, Black Panther, almost in a way. Like, I'm sure that if Black Panther is as good as, it, as the trailers lead it to look, that will get more movies. But that's not a character that's a mainstream Marvel character, at least not within the movie universe yet. Yep. So this is just another opportunity for them to use some creativeness. He's a very driven and creative and upcoming director to build another piece of this world that I think people will really latch on to. And I agree. If he totally flails and this is a flop yeah scrap it it's fine but i i don't see that happening i think ryan johnson's gonna nail this i know you said you were thinking it's like way in the future or maybe way in the past or maybe something that we haven't even thought of yet or hasn't been even talked about yet what would you put your money on for right i now? mean 
a lot of fans are clamoring for uh, the old Republic, Knights of the Old Republic, beloved video game from 03, which is set thousands of years before any of the Star Wars movies. Uh, Jedi, Sith, lots of conflict going on. It's familiar, but much different, very grand. And that's really exciting. I was in those books. There's lots been expounded upon in that era. It's a great comic line. But as much as I'd like to see it as a fan, I kind of question if that's too prequely in terms of what's mm. going on. Just because it ha- there's a Jedi Council in that story. There's tons of Jedi. There's tons of conflict. So I just... Not not that being prequely is bad, but it have that kind of vibe in terms of like the visuals, what you're seeing. So I don't know if Ryan Johnson's going to immediately make something so grand and just throw you back that far. But if they wanted to go in the past like that, I think that could be cool, whether they really want to go like the origin of the Jedi or something really monumental. I, I think you have to have Jedi in the Force in there in some capacity. Yep. But yeah, I don't think a direct adaptation of the Old Republic. Uh, Revan obviously is breakout character from that story, and everyone loves him. But you know, I think we can just we should just leave that alone. And if you want to go back in time that far, but I think they should just go with something totally fresh because it's it's Johnson and Ram Bergman, his longtime collaborator, who are working together, writing all this, directing all this as of right now. So you know, let them just figure it out because Johnson's been a huge fan. He loved his time on. Said a lot, Jedi. As we said before, there's no negative press, so you know, let let him concoct something original because that's what, seemingly what this would be. And great sign for Disney that they found a director they like, and they're like, hey, you know, do this. We don't have, we don't have any guidelines for this kind of you know new trilogy because again, we don't have a Skywalker or Han Solo legacy to protect. Yeah, I almost wonder if doing something where they bring in a little bit of both worlds, exploring a part of the galaxy that is kind of unknown or hasn't even been talked about yet. But bringing that in as, like, maybe a Jedi who's part of this Sith versus Jedi war in some way. Maybe he's, like, an up-and-coming Jedi. Like, something, like, along those lines could be pretty interesting just to be, like, almost, like, fan servicey in a way as well. Which I, I think, especially going off the beaten path, they're going to need something that fans are going to be able to get behind. I don't think it would be hard because Star Wars fans are usually fanatics, like, literally fanatics about these this sort of thing. Do you think that this means that Episode Eight is going to be the fucking best star wars movie ever. i think i think it means i think it means close to that yes i think they yeah. lucasfilm kathleen kennedy they love what episode 8 obviously is and they want uh more of that uh touch i don't see how you could think anything else no i'm really excited for this this movie now can't wait for episode 8 there's more to that disney announcement they're having a live action star wars tv series that'll debut on the Disney streaming service we've mentioned before. That'll be debuted at the end of 2019. Finally, a live-action Star Wars show. People have talked about wanting one forever. George Lucas had reportedly over 100 episode scripts done in the early aughts. The fact that they're finally doing that's really crazy. And actually, there's some other Disney-related news that came out that they're going to work on a High School Musical and Monsters, Inc. shows for the service, as well as a, something for Marvel. And then Bob Iger said that It'll be priced below Netflix's ten ninety nine a month because it's going to have less content overall, and they want the price to reflect that. And then they also said they plan to release four to five original movies for the service. Damn. Obviously much lower than Netflix, which is producing you know over 100 films for next year. We're finally getting some information about what the Disney streaming service is going to be in. Under $10, by the time the Star Wars show is there, you're going to get a lot of subscribers, so... Oh, definitely. Uh, cool announcement all around. A lot, lot, to, lot to be excited about. Yeah, it's interesting. If you think about how Disney's been making such a play for so much IP in the last couple of weeks, I wonder if they're like gearing up to basically be like, either get this channel and get all of our content, or you can't have access to any of it. They're, I mean, that that's obviously many years down the line for a move like that, but 
Like, if that's, like, the end game for them to be, like, this is an exclusive thing unless you're paying this. Yeah, the question that that's pretty unclear, you, you can look up reports trying to tell you otherwise, but they, it's really uncertain, is what happens to the Marvel Netflix shows, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Punisher comes out this Friday, all, that whole line of them. What happens to them? Because they're on Netflix, but they're, owned, they're made mm-hmm. by Marvel Television. Does Netflix just distribute them, or does Netflix actually own a stake yeah, in that? Obviously, once those shows end their run, would they actually move off Netflix to the Disney streaming service, or they remain on Netflix gratuity like every other, most other things on Netflix? So that's something that we don't know about, but it'd be interesting to see because obviously Disney will be pulling all their movies off of Netflix. That last Marvel stuff remains. Obviously, we'll find out in a few years. Definitely. Why don't we pivot to Stranger Things? So something that's on Netflix, something that will not be leaving Netflix when Disney leaves Netflix. Right. Stranger Things 2, we did a episodes 1 through 3 recap and gave some of our flaming hot takes about the season to that point. We decided to just finish up the season and talk about it. So, season 2. I mean, I saw you going back and forth a little bit with a friend of the pod, Stephen DeCorda, who had a flaming hot take that season 2 is not as good as season 1. What are your thoughts, Dave? Do you agree? <laughs> Surprise. Yeah, I mean, it's not as good as season 1, period. That does not mean no. it's bad. It's not as good. I think that's pretty evident. Yeah, we talked about how the expectations for season 1 versus the expectations for season 2 basically set this season up to never really live up to season 1. But, I mean, there were some things that I thought were interesting choices, some things that left me with a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth. But just to give a quick recap of the season, full spoilers for the next, like, 15 seconds. Basically, Will is still struggling with being connected to the Upside Down. The season revolves around Eleven trying to figure out who she is and how the rest of the crew is fighting off these monsters that are starting to take over the world through Will. So what did you like about the season? What did you not like? Let's start with what you did like. I mean, overall, I like being in Hawkins Mm -hmm. circa 1984. It's a fun world to go back in. Obviously, 80s nostalgia is pretty popular right now, but Stranger Things obviously really captured that last year, and I think that still does here. Even though Eleven leaves briefly away from Hawkins, I think that that fun, homey vibe is very much there, even as a bunch Mm -hmm. of evil stuff is going on. So that's fun just being right there. And even though we don't get as much of it, the interactions, the chemistry between, you know, all the dudes, the whole crew, the the whole cast, rather, is still really fun. It's really charming. It's really what attracts people to the show in the first place. And I like that. And I actually, I think, while part of this is an issue that Eleven was away from everyone for so long, her scenes with Hopper, David Harbour. Uh, Millie Bobby Brown, David Harbour, the two best actors on the show, and really they just chew uh, scenery the whole time. And while maybe build up Eleven's backstory, answer all those questions a little too long, I think overall it works well. All my problems with the season are just kind of decisions the Duffer Brothers made in terms of what they sought to accomplish, you know, with the plot, by separating characters, things mm-hmm. like that. But I mean, overall, I mean, I like a lot of performances and obviously I like going back to that world. So it's still a fun, you know, nine episode. Yeah, I, I agree with most of what you said. I think I think the moments that landed the best for me when it was Millie Bobby Brown and David Harbour, just exploring that father-daughter, not really father-daughter dynamic, especially like the scene in the car where at the end where they're driving and Hopper's talking about how he failed her and how he's scared of losing her like he lost his daughter and talking about Sarah. Also, a really cool little piece of season that if you didn't really pay attention, you might not have noticed. In the the first season when they do a flashback to Hopper with his daughter Sarah in the hospital, she's wearing a purple, like, hair tie. And throughout the season, at different points, you can see Hopper, like, playing with, like, a, a purple hair tie. And at the end of the season, when you see Mike and Eleven dancing at the dance, her hair is tied back with a purple hair tie. So a pretty, like, cool little 
piece of the season and, and there's some significant meaning behind it. Easter egg. Yeah, exactly. What did you think of uh, episode seven? I believe it was. That was basically a bottle episode for Eleven exploring her past. Right. Yeah. The lost sister. That's when she goes off on her own she, to Chi Town. I like the idea in theory because I think Alan Sepinwall said this a lot. A lot of Netflix shows, the episodes don't feel different. Mm. They just kind of run. They, they end technically. They start right back up. There's no like episode vibe the way like a Game of Thrones. You always you think of Battle of the Bastards and it has its own unique identity, mm-hmm. right? A lot of Netflix shows there, there really is no standout mo- episode like that. Just a bunch of scenes, and I think episode seven could have stood out if it worked better. But unfortunately, what did we get? We got a bunch of '80s punk stereotypes archetypes. Mm-hmm. We got Eleven saying bitchin'. Right. That that worked well, I guess. I mean, overall, it just it cuts the or stops the plot to a crawl yeah. because we had, had a cliffhanger the episode beforehand with the the demo dogs and whatnot. So just it failed in execution, and also it, I think a big part of that is because it didn't result in anything. It, it's like it didn't matter. Eleven like just left. Right. I guess maybe she understood her powers a little better, but like it, it felt very inconsequential. And also because what's her name? What was her name Callie? Yeah. She didn't come back at the end or I something. Know. You know, it wasn't Chekhov's Chekhov's eight. You know. So it really didn't feel like it mattered for this season. I saw some people theorizing that there may be like a spinoff show possibly coming following like that crew, just by the way that the it was set up with such like unique and like trying to be interesting that weren't really that interesting characters. It, it was like a pilot. Yeah. What, what would you think about that? Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't think so. I think the Duffers clearly need all their attention on Stranger Things because they probably had to rush the writing a little bit for getting season two out so right. fast. So while Netflix probably would love to milk the the world, the IP, mm-hmm. if you will, I, I don't think so. I think sh- maybe we'll see eight and the other numbered kids showing up for the last two seasons because right. I believe they've already announced it's going to be a four season show. See that happening, and maybe this episode will have more resonance with the audience down the line. But in terms of how season two worked, just felt very superfluous. Yeah, I I agree. I I hope they also don't do a spinoff show especially not until they at least finish stranger things i I wouldn't mind at that point if they decided to take some some thread and follow it but you know to to kind of bring it back to this i think one of my biggest issues of the season was with dustin ah go ahead no no so you had told me originally that dustin was getting some negativity right you know opening weekend if Mm -hmm. you will when uh everyone started watching and making their way through. And then as I was watching, I was like, all right, I could see why. It just seemed like he was just kind of like a doof the whole time. Like he was either just there for comic relief or doing something dumb. Right. And it wasn't as charming as it was in season one because I think he was just a little smarter because he was, wasn't was separated all the time like he was in this season. So I can, I can understand it. But yeah, what, what is your gripe? My gripe is you hang out with your friends every single day. One of your friends is literally having flashback episodes about this upside down world that is like about to tear apart your town you find an alien creature and you immediately think oh no i need to take care of this thing that's but dart no (laughs) dart Dart played them all like a fucking fiddle also shout out my man joe keery fucking goat played he was freaking steve steve Steve, first season was like eh but this season he really stepped it up in a big way yeah i think Um, i think as they they realized as they were writing that or making the show that Joe Carey is just like a really good actor and he's in a commercial already so that I, I think we'll see him for a long time but yeah. they wanted to give him more to do and thank God because they had everyone separated and putting him and Dustin together I think was awesome but 
the same kind of issue I have with Nancy Jonathan I have with Steve because where the season two leaves us like what do we have for those characters besides the will they or won't they the love triangle still isn't resolved Nancy doesn't have any agency that's for damn sure but then uh, Steve is just kind of there. Like, are we going to, you really going to have him in the crew with all the boys? Like, I, I don't think so. So while I loved his, the performance this year and the arc, it wasn't really much of an arc. I, I don't think there was much growth. No, definitely there wasn't much growth as characters. I think next season, I'm guessing, will be at least a year in the future, if not more. Probably like a year and a half, I'm guessing. So we'll probably put Nancy and Jonathan right near the end of their high school days. Steve will be an adult for what, a year adult yeah. <laughs> 18 so i think it'll be interesting to see if, if they move more towards like that transition like maybe because they're all going to be going different directions you know there's no love triangle but it's more exploring like how they take yeah. those next steps and preparing for that and how you know the issue with the upside down which i'm guessing will come back up almost undoubtedly tie them back you know a fu- i saw a funny tweet so a david harbour tweet ended up in my timeline yesterday and Someone was asking him exactly how the upside down works, and his response was, "I was told that there'd be no math." But who the hell is like looking at the upside down and like, "Oh, I really need to figure out like how this works." And you know, there's a portal, but you don't turn it upside down. Like what? That's the Westworld Reddit obsessive fandom, man. Yes. It's like they only care about the plot and what is, whereas I think anyone who's watching Stranger Things with a critical eye is kind of annoyed with the upside down because it's mm-hmm. we don't really understand the rules in terms of how it works with Eleven, you know? So and then the fact that at the very end scene after they do the middle school dance stuff and then it flips to the upside down and the what do you call it? what was the monster called the, the smoke monster looking dude yeah. is hovering over the high school the, the school again like he's it's still not resolved and i mean i guess okay it's a very nebulous threat still and unfortunately this season noah schnapp was really good as will will byers and in yeah. the episode The Spy, I was like, this is great. Make him the bad guy. He's possessed, and they don't fully commit to the bit that could have made it a little darker. Right. So questioning what the upside down is, and like, no, 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 you got to question if the upside down is going to actually work for the show moving forward, let alone right. how it works. Like, that's not that's not important. <laughs> yeah, and to kind of just go back to, like, Will being possessed, how about your girl Nancy just sticking him with a hot poker? Yeah. And, like, he, she basically put a hole in that, that kid's leg and, like, it never gets addressed. <laughs> yeah again nancy we criticize you know when we talked about the first three episodes which you can catch at soundcloud.com slash nostalgia pod but we kind of criticize nancy for the manufactured uh barb grief which naturally totally goes away from like episode four on but <laughs> again like what is there to nancy's character she's a fucking badass on down low yeah no no I, i'm not saying like i don't like her like the performance but i just don't understand what gonna happen for the character moving forward i like max as a new addition to the crew but because 11 was separate the whole time it it just seemed kind of like a i don't want to call it lazy but oh we'll just add another girl to the crew and it'll work fine and we've already done this before so well, I like the performance, and I like where it ended up with Lucas. Um, I think that's kind of all overall the season kind of being a little bit of a, a, a puzzle. Billy, though, her brother. Get the fuck out of here. While I find him charming when he's going to smash Mrs. Byers. <laughs> Buono? Yeah, what about <laughs> Buono, though? Billy clearly had something else to do in earlier drafts, and it was just yep. scrapped. Like, he has yeah. no purpose or meaning. He just there. shouldn't be there. But, yeah, I hope he smashes. <laughs> 
Oh, dude, he's gonna smash, no doubt. It's actually really funny, because when you think about Nancy, like, I feel like two of my favorite unintentional comedy mo moments, but, like, w w when they're like, who here can handle a gun? She's just like, I can. Every kid in the room is like, no way. And she's just like, I can handle a weapon. It's like, what? Like, I was like, Nancy? Okay, sure you can. <laughs> and, then, and then later on, when Possessed Will is basically, like, dying, and his family is like, doesn't know what to do, she's just like, oh, hot yeah. poker from the fire, right into your groin, dude. Like, what the fuck? Like, she just decided to become a badass out of nowhere. I actually loved when the uh, journalist dude asked Jonathan how his uh, pull-out <laughs> <Yeah>. game was. <laughs> that was wonderful. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, the, the show still has some, some really wonderful moments. And I even thought, like, the ending when Eleven reaches her, like, full power, or I guess, like, is starting to understand her full power, was a really cool moment. So there were a lot of things I enjoyed. I just think that they need to spend a lot of time trying to resolve the issues moving forward. Yeah, I think a part of it's probably the pressure of cranking out the show so fast, getting it in while the kids are still young and cute. But yeah, I mean... I think the, the Mind Flyer episode, that's the episode where they're trapped and Bob dies. I thought that episode was fantastic. Dude, and, so uh, Sean Astin, of course, was great. So poor, still a lot to Bob, like. dude. Yeah, I know. I mean, typical Sean Astin character, you know? <laughs> yeah, for but real. There's actually some funny stuff going on. Like, what other 80s actors can we cast? And I think uh, Shea Serrano picked the douchebag in The Karate Kid. Oh, the blonde kid. Yes. That'd be Obviously, awesome. he's an adult now. So, like, that would be cool, I'm sure. But anyway, I think what we should hope for moving forward is that Stranger Things season three does not come out in 2018. Maybe a spring 2019, just a little more time. Yep, I agree. And honestly, I wouldn't even hate if they did, like, a surprise. They didn't even really say. I mean, I don't think they would do that. But this would be a show where if, I like, if, like a, a week before it was, like, it's coming or something like that, and then, like, boom, it's just, like, on Netflix. I think, like, culture would stop just to, like, digest that. It would, but then you think that Netflix paid for a Super Bowl commercial for season right. two, and you realize that they can just create the buzz, like, printing on paper. So, but, th of course, that would be cool. But, yeah, I mean, over overall, we're positive, but smart to understand Definitely. how the show can get better. To wrap up today's pod, we're going to talk about Taylor Swift. First, I wanted to get your reactions, though, to Eminem and Beyonce trying to ruin Taylor Swift Day. That, that song is trash. Beyonce sounds good in it, but Eminem is just, dude, what happened? Yeah, Eminem makes an apology song about all the pressure he's under now as an older MC, and then he ends it with, bitch, I made Stan. Like, again, just could not give a it. fuck it. And honestly, it is it is cool <laughs> that Taylor Swift and Eminem are coming out a week apart, because his album comes out this Friday. My God, that's a lot to ask of people. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. But Taylor Swift, Reputation, this is her sixth? album correct Which yep first since 2014 it's been a been a bit a minute yeah 1989 came out 2014 kind of crazy 1989 was kind of lauded as a slight return for taylor i think using some of her more like lyrically based thing while also starting to move in a pop direction sort of it's it was a weird mix but still like very respectable by her fans because she, well, she went pop first with red but then i think 1989 is where she took the pop rejoined it with the her stellar music. songwriting you come to expect from a Taylor Swift like fearless uh, music. Speak now. Right. Um, so then we hear the, the singles for Reputation and we gave our takes, which we both of us and I think a lot of people were very yeah. meh on, very meh and very disappointed about. So Reputation, first of all, didn't drop on any streaming services, so 
made me almost get a virus on my computer trying to find a way to listen to it because I'm, I'm not going to pay for that shit. Sorry, Taylor. Don't worry. Everyone else did. Right. It sold 700,000 copies on the first day. One day, already the biggest week of the year. As of recording today, it was reported that it had sold over 925,000 copies, which is insane in the year 2017. Without any streams. Crazy. Yeah. Big. Was this album as bad as the singles led you to believe it would be? So the singles, the four singles, but obviously the high-profile ones were Look What You Made Me Do and Ready For It. Mm-hmm. Those are probably the worst songs on the album. By far. Look What Made You Do is definitely the worst song. Endgame is pretty I, close, though. I agree, but who thought those singles made sense? You're way too calculated about the way you roll out your music. I mean, did you just try and get catch the buzz with Look What You Made Me Do? I mean, I guess so, and... Ready for it, just a swing and a miss. So, but I find it very questionable that those are the singles that they picked. Yeah, you know, I I think Taylor was trying to. I mean, I think the scope of this this album was to be like, I am more pop, rap driven, like mixing in elements of EDM. Like some of the beat drops on this were very like, this is a pop EDM song, very clearly. Yeah. The production's um, very big. Which which we'll talk about, but I think when she was thinking about how she wanted to her be portrayed moving forward as an artist and thinking about the moves she's making, this is obviously like, oh, I'm naming it Reputation, and I want to drop these singles and move this to being what what I am now. Eh, I don't know. The saddest part about it, just to maybe start at the back of this conversation and work to the middle, I thought the songs in this album that were the best were the songs that focus on what her strengths are. Good songwriting, catchy hooks headlines that I think were meaningful and relatable, whereas a lot of this I was like, okay, this, this is a, not a horrible song, but like I'm never gonna have a, a beef with Kanye, or at least I don't I don't expect to. If I ever get to that point, that'd be great. Like, <laughs> let me do that. Right, I, I agree. I think at its worst, which large chunk of the album, it's just, again, very immature, very petulant. If you didn't have a beef with Kanye and Kim a year and a half ago, what would be on this album? Right. Because as we know by your incredibly apolitical persona, is there anything to you? Nobody knows who Taylor Swift is. She's right. 27. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. And I, I was actually like seeking out articles to try to just give me some background, see if there was anything on the album that I missed or like any digs or anything. And pretty much half the songs are written to her current boyfriend. Or like that's the speculation is that they're written about her current boyfriend, Joe Alwyn, who first Congratulations. of all, I didn't even know that they were dating. But second, it's like, all right. I understand that this person is important in your life, but the thing that I think people liked about your songs was that you were able to take experiences in your life and pain that you had and like put it into a really catchy way and like send messages that people related to and enjoyed. This just yep, didn't really absolutely. hit. Uh, so no. w- w- what songs on the album did you like? Why don't we start there? Because <laughs> it sounds like neither one of us really loved this album. Uh, no, I emphatically disliked the album, let's be clear. Okay. Uh, I think Don't Blame Me. Is pretty decent. Okay. When you listen to this, and there's song, like you said, there's, there's a lot of good hooks on this. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think you can deny that. And yeah, some of this great songwriting does shine through. But does any of this feel like a Taylor Swift song? Do you just feel like generic pop songs? I had three that I th- remind me of a Taylor Swift song. So I, I've been I pulled some friends that are big Taylor Swift fans, and they pointed me out to a few of them. But it's just like sounds and feels for the most part just as generic as the trends she's trying to chase. Yeah, I agree. Three songs I thought that could have been on any Taylor Swift album were New Year's Day, Getaway Car, and so this is the part that makes me mad. Call it what you want to, the way that she performed on SNL this weekend could have been a Taylor Swift song on any album. The way that she portrays it on this album doesn't sound... The studio recording? Yeah, the studio recording is not as as much of that feel. I don't know, and I guess like the other songs I didn't necessarily hate, Gorgeous has grown on me a little bit. 
even though I think it's a stupid song lyrically, I don't hate the the beat and the way that she delivers a lot of it. And dress, I thought, even though it was a very like yeah, people try like hard move to be like a bad girl or whatever. I thought she she hit most of the notes on it. <laughs> but I mean that, that that's five songs out of fifteen. You mentioned getaway car, right? Mm-hmm. Jack Antonoff's all over this thing. Yep. Which is interesting because he was also involved with Look What You Made Me Do. But I'm not surprised that Antonoff's all over this because, again, she's trying to, it's very contemporary pop. She's never fully embraced that sound before. I mean, the synths, the big production, right. the, uh, the bass, even, you know, it's, it's all over the place. And then you top it off with a song where you have Future and uh, rapping Ed Sheeran. I mean, because, of course, of course, that's what you thought was a good idea. And again, I'm not surprised. You don't actually know. You're just chasing the trend. I don't know. I don't. There's no hits on this album, which I think is fascinating. We mentioned the sales. Look What You Made Me Do did go number one, and that's, that really speaks to the strength of Taylor's bass. She has enough fans, enough people paying attention, they will listen to her song and right. boost it up. But Look What You Made Me Do is one of the worst-performing number ones on the chart ever. I mean, for context, it's already at number 34, right. which is lower than That's What I Like by Bruno Mars, a song that's like 43 weeks old. Yeah, that, that album, though, that Bruno Mars album, fucking great. Right, and that came out just... I mean, that's the thing. When I'm thinking about pop albums in terms of how I think about Taylor Swift. Obviously, I'm not a Taylor Swift fan, so I just kind of think about how it works in the culture, right? Right. And Melodrama by Lord, obviously way better than this. So much better. I think like other stuff, I'm like, I like the Dua Lipa album better. I like Demi Lovato has multiple songs on her latest album that are better than anything yep. on this. I mean, Selena Gomez has had some good singles. Even the Halsey record, which I basically savaged for eight minutes right. a few months ago, that has Bad at Love and Now or Never hits that are way bigger than anything on this album. It's just... It's just so confounding that this is what she made. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't really know what Taylor thought. Because, I mean, she's already one of the biggest pop stars in the world. You don't need to become more pop. You don't need to embrace a, a more generic sound. Like, you already yeah. are the, the, the generic sound by the fact that everybody just loves you and people want to sound like you. So it doesn't make any sense to make this move. I also think, like you said before, we don't know who she is. I, I don't think she even knows who she is at this point. I think she's been so caught up in so much bullshit and dating all these people like all these celebrities all the time i think she needs to like take like a another three years and really just like go experience life and like try to figure out like have something to say next time right well and that's the thing like she she basically went away after the kim snake exposed her all the snake emoji bombs started happening on that ig like she went away and she didn't do anything but obviously there was no, no personal growth right. and not not to like rag on her as a person obviously that's not really important anyway a gold star to anyone who thought that Katy Perry and Taylor Swift would have a beef, and then they would both follow that up with their version of Lady Gaga's art pop five months apart. It's just insane that, that that's, what, that's what we got. Yeah, man. <laughs> it's, I don't know. What, I mean, I think when we look back at, at the end of the year list, this is not going to be in anyone's top ten. You know, you say that, but the poptimism around this album is disgusting i mean just go to metacritic it's an aggregator obviously but it's a 74 but you but you go to metacritic you see all these huge publications giving it 75s giving it 80s the only one site that really truly savaged it with like a 30 something was a site that we totally discount all the time consequence of sound which i was like all right you guys actually had some balls for once good for you right Uh, Yeah, Pitchfork gave it a 6.5, and they didn't really have much positive to say about no. it. Like, how can you give this a 6.5? It's like, the way video games are graded, a 6 is, is like, pretty bad. That's disappointing. But, like, it's a 10-point scale, but nothing ever gets 1 through 5. It's just, 
even though they all have their own meaning. So, yeah, I mean, 6.5 is, 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 is pretty poor, I'd say, for her. And, yeah, this is definitely her worst-received album thus far. Uh, and that's, that's pretty obvious. And, again, it's going to be the least resonant just because I don't see how you can expect the four singles all flopped. You think some mm-hmm. other album cut's going to do well? I mean, I know I, I don't see how anything has any uh, staying power, especially with someone like no. Eminem following it up right now. But did you hear about her uh, cease and desist letter that she sent to that blog? Leading up to yeah, this, the, the neo-Nazi blog. Yeah, I mean, this is just like with Disney and the LA Times, classic Streisand effect. You bring more attention to something that no one really knows about by making a big deal about it. But the fact that she couldn't just denounce the alt-right con- connection, obviously, and she would rather just have her lawyers do it behind the scenes, tells you all you need to know. Not that Taylor Swift needs to be rah-rah on the campaign trail with Hillary Clinton like Katy Perry. No one, that's not what you need to do. No. But the fact that you make a conscious effort to be so apolitical because you don't want to alienate any of the millions of fans that pay you money. Like, it's just annoying. And on top of that, yeah. you also didn't have it available on streaming, just like Adele and Beyonce. But it, it's, just, right. it's just adding up. It, it's compounding with Taylor Swift. And I'm looking forward to seeing the album not resonate just because I want to see this push Taylor Swift, like you said, take some time and actually right. grow. It's that old saying, if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. Pretty much, <laughs> this album is like the perfect like embodiment of that because she's just trying to be so much. When she, if she's just her, she'll be phenomenal. You know, it's uh, it's really disappointing. Not only Sam Smith, but Taylor Swift both have albums that bomb. And now I am not optimistic for this Eminem album either no. coming out. It's a really sad end to the year for the most part. There haven't been a lot of big names hitting it this year. I mean, wait, you weren't down for that Willow Smith album that just dropped? Yo, actually, I have <laughs> heard good, good things. things about it. I have read some good <laughs> A person that I'm, I'm friends with at work was listening to us like, who is this? She's like, this is Willow. And I was like, who the fuck is Willow? She's like, Willow She's Smith. She's only 17. Like, crazy. It, it sounded actually a little bit like Lord, which is interesting. Definitely move from what her old whip over hair back and forth type I mean days. Selena Gomez and Camila Cabello have projects soon no dates mm-hmm. and then Miguel announced an album for December 1st and I actually like the first single so I mean but that's really the pop space I think Tuvlo is coming soon but like yeah, I mean, it's kind of a, a downer end of the year, downer fall. Yeah, definitely. Interesting thing, though, as music is ramping down, movies are ramping the fuck up right gang, now. Gang, gang. And <laughs> I'm going to have to get that movie pass. Try to see all the movies that we're going to have to talk about. We have Justice League next week. Eminem will do some news. Maybe Miss Mr. Robot talk. Yeah. Lady Bird's uh, out. We got to see that. Yeah, man. I was actually trying. I might go try to see it this week. I'm going to see it this uh, week. If I can find a place mm-hmm. near me. So there's a lot going on. We have a lot to talk about. Uh, also, with the holidays coming up, you'll, we'll have a lot of time to catch up on things, hopefully, yeah. as long as we're not both uh, traveling like crazy. I mentioned The Punisher coming out on Friday, but another show comes out Wednesday, the 15th. Do you know what it is? The show I, you've watched some of. I don't know if you've ever finished it. BBC show starring Cillian oh, Murphy. Nope. Oh, Peaky Blinders. Peaky Blinders is Peaky back. Peaky fucking Blinders. On BBC, yeah, another yeah, yeah, six-episode nice. series starting up it's always a show i was interested in i've always wanted to make time for it but the fact that it's only 18 episodes coming into this new season it's pretty easy to catch up so i'm gonna do my best did you ever finish it no i got through uh, I, I think a season and a half i'm i'm currently working on finishing up the deuce and once i finish that up i'm trying to decide if i want to do vice principles or not i might save that for like the holidays i did vice principles i finished it just like i finished the deuce vice principles pays off 
It's a. Okay. I actually have a really. It sits. It sits really well with me when you think about the series as a whole. Very well, Maybe I'll, I'll make some space for that for so we can talk about it sooner. But I'll I'll make some time for blinders by the end of the year. I'm sure. What's your uh, curb take? Curb your enthusiasm. We're about halfway through, a little past it. I, I think it's it's not as good as past seasons. I, I think really what it is is some of the scenarios have just been so ridiculous. Like there's it's the reason that a lot of like Seinfeld and Curb worked is because you're put in situations where, yeah, people are doing things that most normal people wouldn't do, but at the same time it's like still real life situations. Yeah, you could rationalize this, it. Exactly. In this season, I mean, he is like hiding for like the first like third or four, four three or four episodes. He's hiding Fatwa. from. <laughs> yeah, Fatwa. So I mean, it's like okay, like eh, yeah. At some point, it just seems gotta like right. Like you just see, it seems like Larry David is trying to make it as crazy as possible, but so he can wrap it up like at the end, like he always does. But there have been some episodes that are just pretty weak, and I think part of it is that his that type of humor isn't as resonant as it once was. I think people were saying that about the Jerry Seinfeld Netflix stand-up special from September. So, and I'm not a huge Curb guy, so I don't have the best take on this anyway. As someone who didn't really was into Curb, I'm watching it. I'm like, I see it, I get it, and I can definitely see that this used to work earlier. So, I've never really been into like awkward, like uncomfortable comedy. Right. It's just yeah, the cringe. I, I don't like the cringe. I enjoy a lot, but Curb Curb is a different animal at times. But I don't know, cringe is not my favorite. Anyways, we should probably wrap up there because I feel like we could go on talking about the shows that we're partially watching right now forever. About to start but the leftovers. It's happening this week. Yes, dude. I'm so excited to do like a season one, two, and three, like two years later review. Yeah, I mean, we'll, well, I'm hoping to have it ready for the end of your list. So be I'll be great. able to actually expound. So that's the plan. Anyways, give us a rating and review on iTunes. Subscribe. Uh, also, share with, share with a friend and help us grow we want to bring you the best content make the podcast as enjoyable as possible so any feedback is very much appreciated you can find dave at martin swagger me at sheeny world peace and you can find the pod at nostalgia pod all on the tweetosphere we already kind of said what we're going to talk about next week but if anything else comes up that you want to hear or any news that you feel is notable i mean we didn't even talk about the whole louis ck thing it feels like there's somebody else every week at this yep, point that's for sure we might talk about this in the upcoming weeks. I'll give you a little tease. Louis C.K. getting his stuff scrubbed off services. Kevin Spacey recast in a movie that he already had shot. Interesting how the separating the art from the artist debate is clearly shifting. So we'll talk about Definitely. that at some point. A little tease for you right there. We'll wrap up there. Have a good week. We love you. Peace out. All my days, I'm-